Yeah, you can use my voice on the air. I don't care because you're just an idiot moron on YouTube, dude. Listen, brother, you have no talent. You suck. Listen, buddy, go fuck yourself. You suck, dick. Go back in the... I don't know where the fuck you're from, dude, but you have absolutely no talent. You're right. So, you know what? It's Black Lives Matter bullshit. Listen, dude, what about White Lives Matter, my friend, you stupid fucking idiot? Go fuck yourself, okay? Because your show sucks. You suck. Go get a life, you pussball. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Thalamore. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Episode 691 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, joined today, as I always am, by the lovely, the talented, the scholarly, the exceptional Brittany Page, everybody. I I heard that you are going to be making a plea today to the audience. A plea? Mm-hmm. Like a, a guilty plea? I don't... Uh... No, a plea for... Show recommendations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that I will have something new to reference because the, the only references that I have right now are like quoting Fleabag. Yes. And this is all true. Quoting Succession. Yes. And, all good shows. And quoting Wedding Crashers as well, which is not a show, but it's still up there. Well, here's what's happening. Here, 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 here is the problem is that yesterday, you made a comment about I need to get food in me because uh, so lacking sustenance or something. Yeah, and you go, you know what that's from? <laughs> and I said, uh, that's got to be Wedding Crashers, right? You go, no, that's from Succession. <laughs> so I'm like the, the the normal quoting of movies, which by the way is like ninety percent of how we communicate. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> quite quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um. It's getting muddled now and confused between, you know, fantastic art like Wedding Crashers <laughs> and Succession. Yeah. So what has happened is we where I really want some recommendations on good shows. Mm-hmm. Good being the operative word here. I don't want... Yeah, go watch this fucking fantasy bullshit that Netflix slapped together. I mean, good stuff like... Like, um, succession, like six feet under, like awesome, awesome programming. Like Fleabag. Fleabag is a, it's a perfect example. It's awesome. I mean, it's made by Jeff Bezos, but you know, it's, it's still a fantastic two season show. It is in my top three for sure. So what have we, what we've done is <laughs> we've been forced for lack of, of other things that we're, you know, cause I'm not going to sit down and, and get three episodes in, because usually that's my mark of whether I'm going to continue watching something. Mm-hmm. I don't want to waste a bunch of time, so I'd love a recommendation. But what we've had to do is start re-watching, like we just watched, we're in the middle of re-watching Succession on HBO. Which we is, have two episodes left, which actually. Which is so fucking good. Good, good show. And yeah. Watching it a second time, all of these, Fleabag, Catastrophe, these shows that we've re-watched, 
you start noticing other things that you didn't notice before. Some of the nuance, some of the some of the quality writing. Yeah. Anyway, so that's what we're doing is rewatching shit. Yeah. Well, I think we should watch Insecure. That's something uh, a show on HBO. I've heard a lot of positive things about it. I that's think that I- would be Issa Rae, right? Is yeah, that her name? I think that would be a good thing to try. Um, aside from that, I don't know. I feel like part of the problem is there's so much out there that it's kind of difficult to figure out what what should be next. And so I just cling to what is comfortable. Well, what happens typically when we get... I'm going back to the recommendations thing. But typically what happens is people, they really love a show. Like, what's the show about the little psychopath killer who's obsessed and stalks? You. Yeah, we we tried to do that. And neither one of us got into it. So, you know, if... if so if you were like champing at the bit to say, hey, well, this is a good one, yeah, save it. That's not good. <laughs> well, I mean, even as we're talking about this, I'm feeling like people are starting to think to themselves, I don't know, he's kind of a dick. Don't really want to give him recommendations. Probably going to hate everything I recommend, especially Sound- with your little fantasy comment there, sir. It sounds like you're describing people who have listened to the show for quite a while <laughs> and know Jesse D pretty well. Well, and listen, I... I I know what it's like to recommend a show to people and have them try to watch it and hate it. This happens to me all the time. Deadwood is the most common show that I will recommend to people and then have them hate it when they try to watch it. So listen, I don't take it as a personal affront when someone recommends something to me or when I recommend something to someone and they don't like it. It's not a personal affront. We all have... We all have different tastes, different interests. It's okay to not like Deadwood. I mean, you're wrong and you have a terrible <laughs> taste in things. Maybe there's an issue there related to like, uh, understanding how great things are. And that seems like a really serious problem. So sad for you, but it's all the fuck we need. That's fine. You're fine to feel that way. You're, it's wrong again, but it's fine. I get it. It's tough with the Shakespearean dialogue. And are we going to, so we're on a rant now about anyway, fucking Deadwood. Anyway, so we get it. Okay. We get it. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> but if you do have a recommendation, we'd love to hear it because we'd love to, to check it out. Absolutely. All right, well, let's get on with the big show. We got all kinds of things to talk about today. There was a panoply of topics to choose from, and we landed on a few. First, let's get to some listener communication. John in Kansas. Hey, guys, this is John in Southeast Kansas. Uh, Just listened to the episode Friday morning. Uh, Had a couple of quick comments. Um... Well, the, the first two guys, Kyle and Bill, uh, you know, I trust people who don't cuss less than I do people who cuss. Cause it's like you're monitoring, you're, you're trying to filter your, where you want to say a four letter word, you're filtering that out. And to me, that's like less, uh, less real, you know, a little more fake or whatever. So keep the cuss words. Um, and like, so Patreon says that I'm an executive producer of the show, so I feel like uh, my opinion has a little more weight. <laughs> Just kidding. No. Uh, yeah, keep the cuss words. Um, Tim and Tim and Brian, I believe it was. <clears throat> they, I mean, I get it. That, you know, the 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 kind of hopelessness feeling that you get just thinking about Biden as president over Trump and the fact that he's not going to push a lot of progressive issues that that we would like to see. Um, but something that we're, that we may not be thinking about, you know, when it comes to this whole thing is 
I mean, not just Biden, but if if we have the opportunity to flip the Senate and we have the House and the Senate, the chances of us getting progressive issues like legalizing marijuana and some kind of Medicare for all program are a lot better, um, you know, than, than if we don't. I mean, we, we, sometimes we think about the president as being this all powerful, you know, end all, be all. And the fact of the matter is, and I don't know how much of a chance we actually have at it, but if we can flip the Senate, um, we can push progressive issues and we'll actually get them through because Biden's not going to stand in the way of that kind of thing. He may not have his attorney general take marijuana off the schedule one, but at the same time, if there's a bill that goes through house, which has already been passed through the house and the Senate, he's not going to, he's not going to veto it. I mean, he's not going to stand in the way of it. Um, and then lastly, you said something about use of force, um, yeah, so I don't know how it is everywhere, but in Kansas, um, use of deadly force for the police, if there's a suspect and he has a knife and he's facing you, like you said, Jesse, actually the, the next step in use of deadly force, you, you, I mean, they teach cops that you can shoot a guy with a knife. Like if there's a guy in front of you coming at you with a knife or coming at somebody else with a knife, uh, they, they say shooting. Um, at least they did. In 2002, when I, th- when I went through the academy out of Hutch, I mean, the, the use of force laws here are one step above whatever the suspect has. So if the suspect is coming at you with his fist. Ah, John, cut down by the three-minute limit. Mm. So as far as the use of force is concerned, I wasn't stating on the previous episode, I wasn't talking about how things are, that you're not allowed to kill someone with a knife. I was stating as things should be. And there are many municipalities all over the country where you can't just shoot a guy if he has a knife. I don't know about Kansas, and I don't know even specifically about each municipality across the country. Well, and my little anecdote is when I was 16 going through the little kid post-academy thing because I thought I wanted to be a cop. And they had the little virtual setup, and my scenario was a guy (laughs) waving a knife in my face, and I shot him in the little virtual setup, and they stopped the whole thing and, like, were questioning me about why I did that. And the position that they had, this was in Meridian, Idaho, was that I shouldn't have shot him, that that's not something you do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I felt the heat for sure. Well, they're like, why'd you do it? You're like, well, he had a knife. Yeah. Mm, Not good enough. Yeah, exactly. So what I'm saying is there are... Countries all, well, listen, there are countries across the world, advanced, industrialized, wealthy countries whose cops don't even fucking carry guns. Let that sink in. I'm sure everybody knows that, or most people know that, but that's, that's just not, it's not the norm. It doesn't have to be the norm that if you have a knife, what, what, what do you think he is? Like, fucking, like, like throwing a ninja star? I mean, it, he's not. Some cartoon character out of a comic book. Mm-hmm. Are comic book characters cartoon characters? I'm really showing my fucking dumbassery here. Well, not everyone you encounter on the street is going to be Jason Bourne. So. That's exactly right. Yeah. And that's the other thing that I've been seeing conservatives uh, run with. Uh, not only are they pointing out criminal records like they normal do or the fact that there were drugs in the system or whatever. They're also saying that, well, you know, a, a gun or a knife oftentimes can be used more um, skillfully when you're against a gun. And mm. so, <laughs> so our, our highly trained professional police aren't able to handle 
a rando with a knife when they've got a utility belt like fucking Batman filled with all kinds of ways to deal with <laughs> physical threats. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, John, and I agree with you on multiple fronts there, that I, I do understand people getting uh, down about the prospect of, one, because I get down a lot more and more lately about, uh, and I don't know why I uncomfortably laughed, um, more and more about the prospect of Donald Trump becoming president again. More like that. But then there are moments of like, ah, this is, what have we done? What have we done that Joe Biden's the guy and not someone else filled, brimming with fantastic ideas that could be put in place like Elizabeth Warren? Yeah. So my thing with, with Joe Biden getting into office, John said that uh, the chances are far better of getting things passed with a Joe Biden in there. And all of that is true. That's fat, that, that that's true. But only if we as an electorate, as we as an engaged um, political group, stay engaged mm -hmm. and keep the pressure on, keep the criticism flowing to move the political agenda. Because if, if we're all just complacent and whatever you say goes, because we're a member of the Democratic cult, Nothing will be done except for what the establishment says. For but sure. We keep up the pressure. We keep up the protests. We keep up um, them being afraid of being reelected. Shit will get done. And that's the thing. It's okay on election day if Joe Biden gets elected, hopefully for the love of God, to have that sigh of relief. That night. Yeah. Take a moment. Right. Even the next day, that sigh of relief. And several days after, there's going to be a lot of relief in the sighing, in the sighing of relief. So after <laughs> that, though, you got to keep up the work. You, yes. You got to keep us. up the pressure. And we on this show, we're of the position that we will continue to do that. I mean, it's, it's not like people are going to be surprised by that. We have... Uh, had the ire directed at us because we are sometimes critical of the left and we will continue to do that because it's important. Listen, if, if, if I'm going to give him a week or so, week, 10 days to get their legs, get the, catch their, their breath, get their balance about them. And then immediately we're going to start criticizing and we're going to start trying to push the direction that we think the administration should go. And we really hope hope and pray as they say that you will do the same anyway john thank you for the call we appreciate it very very much if you would like to sound off have your your opinion on the record or at least this record 657-464-7609 of course you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to i doubt it at dollamore.com moving on so last time on the show, we talked about the shooting of Jacob Blake. We talked about the killing of Daniel Prude, which had just happened in Rochester, New York. It was all, it was all in the context of the continued Black Lives Matter protests and the armed white vigilantes taking to the streets to protect property from yeah. looting, whatever. So. When, ostensibly, that's what they, the justification they give. Right. Clearly, I think it, it it is that they just want to get out there and mix it up. They want to fucking be part of the culture war that they're turning into a real war. For sure. And I think a lot of times people look at this and they think, okay, the right is this position, the left is this position. And 
What's interesting is we we talked a little bit about David Silverman, and he is a prominent atheist. He actually served as president of American Atheists, which is a, a nonprofit organization su- supporting the rights of atheists and like trying to advocate the removal of expressions of religion and government. That's kind of the role of that organization. He used to be the president. And yeah. this is someone who... Sex scandal took him down during Me Too. Me Too took him down. Yeah. Yeah. He used to go on Fox News a lot. He was on with Bill O'Reilly a lot. I think they had like a regular segment where they would kind of mix it up. And back when on, we started... On, on with Hannity, too. Yeah. Back when we started the podcast, what now, six years ago or whatever, we started it as an atheist podcast. And we were really into like the skepticism atheist movement. And... Our first few episodes, we're talking about psychics. and and But we also called out atheists. Well, I think our first episodes about i think atheist assholes was the name of the episode because of of just strident crazy non-empathetic approaches to things and that would be david silverman i yeah. mean as soon as i saw him when way back when years ago on bill o'reilly and stuff like that i thought this is the representative that's on tv for yeah. atheists he's giving atheists a bad name he's contributing to that stigma that exists for atheists as hateful and angry and lashing out and like something must have happened to you what happened to you to make you like this all of that he really creates some of that so anyway he was on he's always seemed like a fucking grifter to me anyway he was on with david smalley recently and david smalley is another figure within the atheist community and (laughs) that guy still has a show apparently (laughs) if you guys have been if you guys have been listening to us for a while you know that that's kind of where we started we started as this atheist skeptic show and we moved away from that because it's so limited and who really gives a shit about the God question anymore, right? The issue really is about human rights. And so I think both of us, Jesse, kind of moved toward this position where we still identify as not believing in God, but I think the more important thing is being a humanist. And David Silverman apparently identifies as a humanist, but he went on with David Smalley and said the most hateful things about the Black Lives Matter movement and the killing of unarmed black men in the streets. And systemic racism is a myth. And police brutality is not a real problem. And I don't get upset when felons get the shit kicked out of them by cops. I don't care when a felon gets the shit kicked out of them by cops especially when they're reaching for a gun, especially when they're a dangerous criminal, especially when they got multiple felonies. I've got more shit to worry about than that. And, and to say that, that cops taking down criminals is racism, it's just ridiculous, Dave. Yeah. It's just ridiculous to look at George Floyd and say, aha, racism. It's ridiculous. George Floyd was human garbage. It wasn't, it's not such a terrible thing that he's dead. Let's just say that. Wow. Yeah, that's a Yeah, pretty, because a... he was a multiple, he's a multiple felon. He held a gun to a woman's stomach, a pregnant woman's stomach while they ransacked her home. Yeah, I know. And, and then, then, yeah, yeah, I don't fucking care. Yeah, but he did, he did prison time for that though, right? Yeah, he did a lot of prison time, but then he was back out again. Right. And so, so do you, so do you, do you, are, are you in favor of, of, you know, you're not in favor of the death penalty, are you, as a humanist? No, I'm not. Okay. No, so, I'm not. so what you I'm are in favor. I care a lot more about the children. Well, well, I care on. a lot more about the I understand. Innocence. I understand. David Silverman 
I mean, this was not on video, but I I could just imagine him wearing his fucking MAGA hat while saying these hateful things. Listen, this is one of the reasons why the criminal justice system and criminal justice reform is so slow in America and why it's so steeped in racism because of the fact that it's easy to hold this fucking caveman position. It is easy to ignore people who have broken the law. It is easy to to completely disregard people and their rights who have broken the social contract. Because there are other things. I'm more worried about the children. This is not helpful. This is hurtful. And again, he's a fucking grifter. And the reason that we're talking about this is because just just because someone is a member of your particular in-group, whatever that might be, doesn't mean they're a good person, doesn't mean that they have uh, good core values, doesn't mean that they're logical or reasonable. And I know that for years we've been correct about David Silverman and always believing that he was a poor spokesperson, but also just not a great person in general. Yeah. That continues to be the case. And I'm thankful that he has been knocked off the pedestal that he was once on. I mean, he got the Richard Dawkins award. He was a prominent figure. Yeah. Yeah. And for him to go on and say things like this, I mean, hateful doesn't even begin to describe it. Wrong doesn't even begin to describe it. To call a person human garbage, yeah. how do you consider yourself a humanist when that is your position? Simply because someone has, uh, someone is a felon, right? Yeah. So everyone who's a felon should be the, called human garbage. Listen, we played the Kenosha Sheriff, his fucking comments last episode. If you put a different voice on it, this is, could have been his comments. Mm-hmm. That, so he's against the death penalty, the ultimate uh, punishment, but but he's for torture and summary, uh, summary execution in the streets. Mm-hmm. That's what he's saying here. Yeah. It's completely illogical, and, and it, it's what leads me to believe he'll say whatever the fuck that's going to get him publicity, because he's a goddamn grifter. Well, and it's... <laughs> so he doesn't believe in following the laws in this country. He doesn't care if certain people get, in his words, the shit beat out of them in the streets. It's just... It's absurd. And if while we're on the topic of grifters, really quick, I want to talk about Rand Paul, because... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know he got quote unquote attacked in the streets yeah. by the protesters. Let's let's emphasize the quote unquote attacked. He wasn't touched. He was yelled at, and really not even really aggressively yelled at. It was he, just scary for him. Yeah. So he told Fox News that he believes that that group of people that they were paid to incite a riot, and there was no riot. He won't. I know he won't say who he believes was financially backing the the people there. Uh, he couldn't offer any evidence for that. But what he did say, and listen to this with your Rand Paul is a libertarian ear. Oh, yeah. Quote, I believe there are going to be people who were involved with the attack on us that actually were paid to come here and are not from Washington, D.C. and are sort of paid to be anarchists. You can tell it's Rand Paul talking, by the way, because he always says, and are sort of. That's yeah. a yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a verbal crutch for Rand Paul. Continuing, quote, the FBI needs to investigate, but the only way you can do it is you have to arrest people. <laughs> 
So he wants people to be arrested. <sighs> and then he wants the investigation to take place. Because the, only way, that's the right. only way you can do the investigation is you have to arrest people first. Right. You got a little backwards there, brother. Interesting. You know, it's it's the shoot and ask questions later. You know, the libertarian way of thinking about government power. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that it involves him. Because when he was leaving the, uh, the the Republican National Convention the night that Donald Trump accepted the nomination and gave his speech, they left to go to their hotel, they left the White House walking, and a crowd of protesters confronted him. Mm-hmm. Fuck him. Another goddamn, this obsequious, fawning love for Donald Trump, even like like um, Mike, um, no, who was it? Uh, Jason Chaffetz is the other Utah guy. Mm. After after Donald Trump did the grab him by the pussy thing, he's like, how can I look my daughter in the eyes? And then now he's just this fawning, servile dog for Donald Trump. Glenn Beck's another one now who was against Donald Trump. It wasn't in his financial interest. So all of a sudden now he's raw, raw fucking MAGA hat wearing idiot. Mm hmm. Rand Paul's another one. Well, and let's quickly touch on another one while I'm thinking about it. I mean, we can sit here all day and name grifters. I'm kind of liking it. Let's yeah. do it. Well, so <laughs> Charles Murray retweeted Oh, yeah. Race, race science douche. He retweeted V-Dare the other day. A white supremacist uh, outlet. Yeah. And I... <laughs> like, not not even like, oh, I'm not sure if it's, it's leaning white supremacist. No, it is a white nationalist digital rag. Yeah, and so he's just making it apparent. I mean, it was a summary of his work that he really likes. That's what he was promoting. Yeah, so if the Daily Stormer did the same thing, is is he going to be tweeting them too? I mean... He's a fucking racist. And so it's just, it's fascinating to me because so many people, again, going back to like Sam Harris, promoted him, elevated him, and have put a lot on the line to continue to defend him. I mean, Sam Harris still to this day defends his his show with Charles Murray. He just had Dr. Paige Harden on to discuss yeah. the the fervor surrounding all of it and he still you know, he, he won't back down. He, he, he listen, he, he Sam Harris also did, and we are apparently just doing this. Sam Harris also edited out the moment with Christian Piccolini where he called out uh, Stefan Molyneux. And Christian Piccolini is the former white supremacist who now leads Reformed. an organization to help reform people yeah. and come out of the white supremacist movement. So, so Sam Harris is another one who has given space to Charles Murray and and pushed back against any criticism of Steve, Stefan Molyneux, who is without a doubt absolutely a holocaust denying white supremacist yeah anyway yeah. I, i'm done now <laughs> well and i don't know why we did this but i think it's important just to be cautious you know that yeah. even people that you used to maybe admire and revere they can be wrong about things yeah and it's important to to call that out and the person i'm referring to is of course sam harris who we used to appreciate and now see how dangerous he has become in the people that he chooses to elevate, quite frankly. Yeah, and you know what? This, this, let's take this to, to the to the final extension and then be done and move on. Uh, Joe Rogan is another one who's a la uh, Sam Harris, maybe not a white supremacist himself, although uh, that position is is kind of eroding around me now. But he certainly gives oxygen that fuels people who have pernicious, racist, white supremacist views. 
certainly doesn't do enough to push back against the yeah. views when he invites right wing figures on yeah, his show. Absolutely. All right. We'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. I doubt it at dollamore.com. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward, one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I Doubt It with Dollamore. We have two new Patreon supporters, and I know we started reading the last name initial, but these two do not have a last name initial. So, Sebastian. Sebastian. And as I was saying that, I realized that the other one I was talking about had upped the pledge. So, never mind. We have one new Sebastian. Sebastian! And we have two who increased their pledge on Patreon. So great. Thank you to Crystal. Crystal! And Blizzard Fingers. The famous beloved blizzard fingers blizzard fingers is a very supportive presence for us on twitter he is always retweeting and liking and sending us positive messages also a little bit of dissent and uh pushback which i really like yeah absolutely because it's not done in a spirit of like fucking being an asshole wishing i disagree wishing we were dead It, it doesn't go that far. There is that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you to Sebastian, Crystal, and Blizzard Fingers. We very much appreciate your support, as well as all of the very old and elderly Patreon supporters who have continued to support us from long ago. Early adopters. Oh, that's right. Early adopters. Early adopters. Correct. All right. Moving on, everybody. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So, if stepping on your dick was a contest, Donald Trump's would have the flattest dick in the history of dicks, <laughs> just based on what he did this week. Did you just come up with that in the moment? Because that's pretty impressive, sir. I, you think I plan this kind of like? What's a funny <laughs> thing I can say coming out of? I love a segment it. Drop? I love it. That was so great. <laughs> Well, I'm just looking at the board here, and it's just... Donald, One after the other. Donald Trump encourages uh, his supporters to vote twice. Yeah. Uh, Donald Trump calls people who died in combat for their country suckers and losers. I mean, mm. it's just... Just... Mwah, chef's kiss fucking dick-stepping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so first, let's talk about how Donald Trump... And look, this has to be... For me, I mean, I don't know how it's not a planned strategy by the White House to continue to muddle what is going to be acceptable relative to voting. And and also as a a plan to delegitimize when the results do come in. So Donald Trump is in North Carolina. He's asked by a reporter a question about 600,000 mail-in ballots. And he says this. We're very, very proud of it. 600,000 people could vote by absentee in this yeah, state. I don't are like you, that. Are you confident in that system? Well, I, they'll go out and they'll vote and they're going to have to go and check their vote by going to the poll and voting that way because uh, if it, if it uh, tabulates, then they won't be able to do that. So let them send it in and let them go vote. 
And if their system's as good as they say it is, then obviously they won't be able to vote. If it isn't tabulated, they'll be able to vote. So that's the way it is. And that's what they should do. Uh, I don't like the idea of these unsolicited votes. I never did. It leads to a lot of problems. It's got They've got 11 problems already on very small contests, so I'm not happy about it. At the same time, uh, we're in court on a lot of it. We're going to see if it could be stopped. But send in your ballots, send them in strong, whether it's solicited or unsolicited. The absentees are fine. We have to work to get them. You know, it means something. And you send them in, but you go to vote. And if they haven't counted it, you can vote. So that's Who the in the fiddle and fuck listens to that guy? Seriously, still after four years, it is a remarkable thing that people listen to him and think, yeah, that's my guy. He's making all kinds of fucking sense. Well, we don't need to say this, but it's illegal to vote more than once in in an election. It's actually a felony. So Donald Trump is encouraging people to commit a crime and also to commit a felony. Yeah, he's encouraging. I want to take this out, extend this out a little bit. Donald Trump's voter base is exceedingly white, overwhelmingly white. In North Carolina, I bet that the percentage is even higher than normal areas white. So what he's doing is encouraging his white voter base to not only vote by mail, but also go to the polls and vote. Now, ostensibly, under what he's saying, he, he you know, it's, it's, um, well, then one vote should cancel the other if it doesn't work. But I think what he's doing is hoping that the voters, the, 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 the fraud check system will break down and there will be multiple votes for Donald Trump in that state. North Carolina, absolutely being a pivotal state in 2020. I've also seen Trump supporters adopting this as an argument and going into like Twitter responses and saying things like, what are you so afraid of? If the system is as valid as you say that it is, well, what are you afraid of? Listen, there... I predict that if if people follow this rule, if people follow this guidance from the president of the United States of America, there will be prosecutions, just like there was last time. There were several prosecutions of people who voted twice because he whipped them up into a frenzy thinking that this election was rigged. If you remember, Brittany, when we voted, we walked to our polling place and there was an old man because there was two lines because there's two different precincts being served. Mm-hmm. Remember the old guy? Yeah. He was like, no, I'm not going to move. This is uh, like he was ready for there to be fraud. He was ready for Trump, the rig system to take effect and his vote not count. Yeah, that was so strange. But my point in saying that uh, Trump supporters are raising this as an argument on Twitter, for example, is not to say that uh, that's a valid argument. What I'm saying is anything that Donald Trump says then becomes the argument that you see from Trump supporters online. That's right. This isn't something that uniquely popped into a Trump supporter's mind online and they started saying to people, Donald Trump says this, and then it becomes something that people start thinking. It's political canon as soon as their cult leader says it. It's terrifying. Yeah. Especially in the context of the upcoming election. So... The same day, just hours later, as my voice goes in and out like I'm in puberty, hours later, uh, Bill Barr, the attorney general of these United States, went on CNN. With Blitz. With Blitz. Wolf Blitzer. And they talked about this. 
Now, listen to this with an eye, with an ear. Listen to it with an eye for Jesus Christ. All right, everybody. Good times. We'll see you later. See, I have said that that phrase. I keep saying it. It's my new verbal crutch. And now it has infected you. What? So you're welcome. Listen with an ear for. Oh, I, do you say that? I have started saying it. Oh, I've said okay. it a few times. I don't know where it came from. We should change the name of the show. So <laughs> listen to this with an ear for him twisting himself into a pretzel and really this is an embarrassing moment for someone who has been attorney general not once, but twice, claiming he doesn't know whether it's illegal to vote twice in a presidential election. Let's talk a little bit about uh, what the president also said just a little while ago about North Carolina's absentee voting system. He said, and I'm quoting him right now, so let them send it in and let them go vote. And if the system is as good as they say it is, then obviously they won't be able to vote. That sounds like he's actually encouraging people to commit a crime, to vote twice. I'm sorry, you'll have to read that again. All right, this is what he said. So let them send them, so let them send it in, these, the, the, vote, the uh, email, the, 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 the voting by mail. And let them go vote the ballot. Let them send in the ballot and then let them go vote. And if the system is as good as they say it is, then obviously they won't be able to vote. Uh, it sounds like he's cur- encouraging people to break the law and try to vote twice. Well, I, I don't know exactly what he was saying, but it seems to me what he's saying is he's trying to make the point that uh, the ability to monitor this system is, is, is not good. And, and if it was so good, if you tried to vote a second time, you would be caught if you voted in person. That, that would be illegal if they did that. If somebody mailed in a ballot and then actually showed up uh, to vote in person, uh, that would be illegal. I don't know what the law in the particular state says. You can't vote twice. Well, I don't know what the law in the particular state says and when that vote becomes final. Is there any state that says you can vote twice? Well, there's some, you know, maybe that you can change your vote up to a particular time. I don't know what the law That's is, so I'm not going to offer He was saying test well, the you, system. You know, well, he if you know believe, what he's saying, why are you asking me what he's saying? He doesn't believe in the mail-in voting. You're, you're the attorney general of the United States. Why don't you, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, he said uh, if you expand mail-in voting, this is the president. This is, you know, the, reckless. Well, this is a... You know, sort of cheap talk to get around the fundamental problem, which is the bipartisan commission chaired by Jimmy Carter and James Baker said back in 2009 that mail-in voting is fraught with the risk of fraud and coercion. But since then, and, there and until this administration proved it. Let me talk. Yeah, please. Uh, and since this, since that time, there've been in the newspapers, in networks. Academic studies saying it is open to fraud and coercion. The only time the narrative changed is after this administration came in. But elections that have been held with mail have found substantial fraud and coercion. For example, we indicted someone in Texas, 1,700 ballots collected from people who could vote. He made them out and voted for the person he wanted to. Okay, because that kind of thing happens with mail-in ballots, and everyone knows. But there are individuals uh, cases. But as far as widespread fraud, we haven't seen that since. uh, Well, we have. We haven't had the kind of widespread use of mail-in ballots that's being proposed. We've had absentee ballots from people who request them from a specific address. My least favorite thing about the Trump administration, and it started with Donald Trump, is that car salesman tactic of everybody knows this yeah yeah so in that moment you feel the pressure of oh my god 
do I not know something that everyone knows? Yeah, it's, it's just <laughs> everything self-evident. What yeah. do you mean? Why do I have to argue this? It's so obvious. Yeah, yeah. But what what Bill Barr is saying there, the Justice Department actually had to come out and say that his description of that case was incorrect. Yeah. So I, I want to... First of all, I don't think it was a federal prosecution. It was a local case. Yeah, it was never under the Justice, Justice so, Department's purview in the first place. So when he says, we did this, they didn't do anything at the Justice Department. It was a local case in Texas. Right. And a, and a guy who was the former assistant district attorney who worked on the investigation in 2017 gave a statement to ABC News and he said, quote, I was like, what? Why would he talk about that case? This wasn't a case of voter fraud. This was a case of what we think was a political consultant trying to scam candidates. So he's referencing it as a case of voter fraud when that's not even what the people in charge of the investigation thought that it was about. Right. And the, the Justice Department really gave the statement there where they're yeah. like, oh, we wrote a memo and everything in the memo was wrong. So he wasn't wrong. He just was going off bad information. Right. So they said, quote, prior to this interview, the attorney general was provided a memo prepared within the department that contained an inaccurate summary about the case, which he relied upon when using this case as an example. Rather than, yeah, he fucking lied and tried to spew disinformation to sway people's opinion from the position of the Attorney General of the United States. Yeah. He's a fucking liar. He's, he, he is, all he is, is a propaganda machine for Donald Trump to justify his jackassery. And so I want to actually highlight this as an example of how difficult it is to challenge some of this. So, the attorney general goes on CNN and he says this. And for the people that want to believe that what he's saying is correct, they're likely just going to take that as an example of voter fraud and go and talk about it online in their debates, yeah. talk about it in person with people they're debating with, and they're never going to look it up. Another barrier that we have is the Washington Post reported on how this wasn't factual. ABC News reported on how this wasn't factual. If you are a person not only that has motivated reasons for believing what Bill Barr says, you're likely also someone who doesn't believe certain media outlets and who doesn't take reporting yes. seriously when they try to counter these stories. So for me, where my mind goes is how difficult it is and how tragic it is that the attorney general is taking part in this and how difficult it is to get over that barrier of trying to convince Trump supporters to accept what is true, which is that he is lying. Yeah. And he's not correct. And how do we do that? Well, let's go back to one other thing, though. And that is his claim about the 2009 bipartisan commission that, that ruled that the, their, the mail-in voting was fraught with risk of voter fraud. One, that was 11 years ago. And why we have these types of bipartisan commissions to make rulings on things is so change can be affected. So you think in 11 years, nothing's been done to shore up any security risks of mail-in absentee voting? Of course it's been done. Every state that I'm aware of, every state that I've ever voted in, and it's a lot of states, has a robust system in place of signature matching. I know people, try to be careful here, where one of the individuals in the household actually filled out the ballot but forgot to sign it. And then the other person in the household signed it for them and they mailed it in. And then 
election officials called and said, hey, this signature doesn't match, and the other person had to verify that it was their signature. So there are absolutely working mechanisms in place to make certain that there is security in the election system. And what he's doing here is fomenting doubt, calling into question the legitimacy of the very mechanism by which our democracy fucking functions. Abusing his power, abusing his title. And that's kind of what I was trying to get at when you were like, let's no. go to something else. No, you, you got you got at it. <laughs> yeah, because it's how do we get over this hump of the evidence clearly shows that voter fraud is not an issue and they are continuing to say that it is. So people are continuing to fear it and regurgitate these talking points and it's it's exhausting having to be in the middle of this battle where yeah you're losing because facebook is promoting ben shapiro ever over everyone else well you know this guy <laughs> this guy's their audience Baby. They're not looking at you and me. They're not talking to you and me. When Donald Trump's on the tarmac with a microphone in front of his face, telling people to vote twice, it's this guy. Donald Trump, That's baby. who he wants to vote twice. Yeah. That guy might very well live in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's banned from Delta. He might be banned from voting soon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because he's going to be a felon after being convicted for voter fraud. Mm, yes, correct. That guy. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on. The other thing, the other dick step that happened this week <laughs> was Donald Trump, the reporting about Donald Trump having called Marines, specifically Marines who died during World War One in, 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 in 1918 at the Battle of Bella Wood, the same battle that earned Marines the nickname Devil Dog, a pivotal moment in Marine history. I mean... When, when you go to boot camp in the Marine Corps, I don't know if people know, but I was a Marine. Jesse was a Marine. Wow. Just, Everybody. I don't know what you're doing over there, but so you're missing the moment is what I'm saying. Yeah. So I, I didn't totally miss it. I was a little delayed, but I got there. So p- part of boot camp is Marine Corps history where you actually sit down in classes trying not to fucking fall asleep because you're just exhausted from the, fi- <laughs> the, the physical rigors. Yeah. And they're teaching you a Marine Corps history because it's part of the culture of the Marine Corps. It's a big deal. A big deal to Marines. By the way, this article in The Atlantic that reports all this doesn't capitalize the word Marine. And in Marine Corps correspondence, the word Marine is capitalized. So fuck that guy for one thing. Two is the fact that this is a big deal. And I, I think this might be a turning point for a lot of active duty and a lot of veterans especially Marines, of what is reported. Yeah, and I want to say something about this because people, the reaction among liberals has been the typical, are we surprised by this? Yeah. He is My on... least favorite fucking he, response. He's on video saying things like this. Yeah, he's on video calling John McCain a loser. And in this article, they talk about him calling Americans who died at war losers and suckers. So... Yeah, you can extrapolate that because he called John McCain that on video, that he would have that view about everyone that serves in the military or particularly Americans who died. Sure. But there's many anecdotes in here that go further. And if you haven't read the article, I would very much recommend that you do. It's written by Jeffrey Goldberg, and the title of it is Trump, Americans Who Died in War Are Losers and Suckers. So there's a few moments in here that are pretty remarkable. One of them is Donald Trump questioning 
why the United States would intervene on the side of the Allies. <laughs> oh, come on, man. What a fucking dummy. And he actually asked, who were the good guys in this war? The President of the United States of America, the Commander-in-Chief of the Armed Forces of the U.S., asking, who were the good guys, while walking across the graves of hundreds, if not thousands, of, of fallen Marines? Another instance actually involves John Kelly, and John Kelly has been talked about a lot in the aftermath of this reporting because he has remained silent. And so there are some questions of, is he one of the anonymous sources providing some of this information? Why hasn't he come out and offered support or right. said something against the reporting? But here is... If, if, I'm, if I'm a betting man, I'm betting that John Kelly is at least one of the sources for certain. So he needs to come out and put his name to it. But anyway, we'll get to that. This is from the article, quote, On Memorial Day 2017, Trump visited Arlington National Cemetery, a short drive from the White House. He was accompanied on this visit by John Kelly, who was then the Secretary of Homeland Security and who would, a short time later, be named the White House Chief of Staff. The two men were set to visit Section 60, the 14-acre area of the cemetery that is the burial ground for those killed in America's most recent wars. Kelly's son, Robert, is buried in Section 60. Died in combat. A first lieutenant in the Marine Corps, Robert Kelly was killed in 2010 in Afghanistan. He was 29. Trump was meant on this visit to join John Kelly in paying respects at his son's grave and to comfort the families of other fallen service members. But according to sources with knowledge of this visit, Trump, while standing by Robert Kelly's grave, turned directly to his father and said, quote, I don't get it. What was in it for them? Kelly, who declined to comment for this story, initially believed, people close to him said, that Trump was making a ham-handed reference to the selflessness of America's all-volunteer force. But later he came to realize that Trump simply does not understand non-transactional life choices. Yeah. That is what it's all about for Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Is what What's in it for me? Mm -hmm. It's a transaction of, 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 of benefit, of cash. I mean ultimately, for Donald Trump. Right. There was also the way that the story ends. So this is the final paragraph. Quote, Trump has been, for the duration of his presidency, fixated on staging military parades, but only of a certain sort. In a 2018 White House planning meeting for such an event, Trump asked his staff not to include wounded veterans on grounds that spectators would feel uncomfortable in the presence of amputees. Wow. Quote, nobody wants to see that, he said. There is another moment where he, he, this made a bunch of headlines that he skipped a visit to the cemetery of the fallen Marines and they blamed it on the rain because apparently skilled expert helicopter pilots aren't able to fly when it rains. People who fly in combat at low altitude, they don't know how to fly in the rain, apparently. And that was the excuse given by the, the, the Secret Service even, that they couldn't even drive because of the rain and, oh, the security, even though every other world leader made it, the United States was just the only one. Apparently, they have a better security setup for their world leaders than we do because they all made it. But he's like, why do I have to go see those losers and suckers anyway? Or something like that. Mm -hmm. Th this is not surprising but nonetheless fucking outrageous that someone who has purported to be the greatest for the military, blah, 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 would say things like this. And for me, one of the reasons that it rings so true is not only his past statements, not only his past behaviors, but how they reacted to the story. 
It was insane how they pushed back. He got off a plane at Joint Andrews, Joint Base Andrews, in the dark. They weren't even prepared for him to make a statement because this he never does. He never gets off the plane in the dark and says anything. And he, he felt compelled to say something because they know just how fucking damaging this moment is for his campaign. Went and I called home. I spoke to my wife. I said, and, and he starts off with a lie because he's saying here that he called home to Melania to tell her just how much he, he was sad that he missed going to the cemetery when Melania was on the trip with him. Again, tells lies about things that can be verified to be unfucking true. Went and I called home. I spoke to my wife. I said, I hate this. I came here to go to that ceremony and to the one that was the following day, which I did go to. I said, I feel terribly. And that was the end of it. Now, all of a sudden, somebody makes up this horrible story that I didn't want to go. And then they make up an even worse story, an even worse story, calling certain names to our fallen heroes. It's a disgrace that a magazine is able to write it. And anybody that if, if the if they really exist, if people really exist that would have said that, they're lowlifes and they're liars. And I would be willing to swear on anything that I never said that about our fallen heroes. There is nobody that respects them more. So I just think it's a horrible, horrible thing. We made a great evening into, frankly, a very sad evening when I see a statement like that. No animal, nobody, what animal would say such a thing? And especially since I've done more, I think, than almost anybody to help our military, to get the budgets of our military, to get the pay raises for our military. So I just think it's a horrible thing that they're allowed to write that. And we can refute it. We have other people that will refute it. And the one I would like you to speak to is General Keith Kellogg, because he knows exactly the story. But you can also speak to Secret Service. They wouldn't let me go no matter what happened because of security, because of safety. So I want to thank you for being here. There's nothing much more that I could say. All they're trying to do is influence a presidential election where we've gone very high in the polls in the last short period of time, where we're doing very well, where we're going to win and they're going crazy. The magazine in question is a Never Trumper magazine probably doing badly i know nothing about it i don't read it i just heard about it now about this story but it's a total never trumper magazine and other people that are trying to influence the outcome of a presidential election and you know what people are too smart for it and somebody has to make a stand this fake press is a disgrace Thank you very much, everybody. So he knows nothing about the magazine. He just learned about it, but he knows it's a Never Trumper magazine. Just want to get that out of the way. The Atlantic. Yeah. So (laughs) the reason that he is likely freaked out right now is because the Washington Post has corroborated the story. So has Associated Press and also Fox News. Yeah, even Fox News. Washington Post actually added to the story, and I want to read from their reporting, quote, In one account, the commander-in-chief told senior advisors that he didn't understand why the U.S. government placed such value on finding soldiers missing in action because they had performed poorly and gotten caught and deserved what they got. (sighs) Wow. 
It's fucking remarkable. So in addition to this reporting, which backs up the Atlantic article, Rachel Maddow actually talked about a section of Mary Trump's book. Now, Mary Trump's book, what did it come out 10 years ago now? How long has it been? <laughs> it feels like so long ago. Uh, um, a month? Has it been a month? Yeah, maybe a month. Yeah. So there's actually a section of her book where she talks about Don Jr. being told he would be disowned from the family if he joined the military. Here's a, a section from that book. Quote, At our first meeting, when we asked Rob to explain why my grandfather had done what he had, Rob said, Listen, your grandfather didn't give a shit about you. And not just you, he didn't give a shit about any of his grandchildren. We're being treated worse because our father died, I said. When we pointed out that our cousins would still benefit from what their parents were getting from my grandfather, Rob said, quote, any of them could be disowned at any time. Donnie was going to join the army or some bullshit like that. And Donald and Ivana told him if he did, they'd disown him in a second. Uh, but just backing up further. Right. Well, uh, Rachel Maddow actually had uh, a, a, a section of, she's done a lot of interviews with Mary Trump. There's a section of an interview that hadn't been previously aired that she put to air just in relation to this story. In terms of what Americans should take from this, I feel like you've defined some things in his upbringing that are psychologically interesting in terms of us figuring out who he is. Uh, and why he mm -hmm. might think the way that he did. But there's also some things that you describe that I think he would um, see as contrary to the public image that he has created. For example, there is an anecdote that you share in the book uh, where you say that uh, uh, your cousin Donnie, Donald Trump Jr., had apparently at one point um, planned to or, or said he might enlist in the army. And it was relayed to you that your uncle, the president, had told him that he would be disinherited if he if he enlisted. Yeah, um, my my uncle Robert told me that story. Do you think it's true, or did you ever have any corroboration of it? I, I've I've had no corroboration, but I I believe it. There was literally no reason for him to make such a thing up. It's a pretty specific thing to lie about. It's striking because your father has made a big deal out of the fact that he went to a military-themed boarding school. Um, and you write about that, that decision within the family that he should go off to that school to sort of give him some discipline at some point, and it seems to have not really worked. Um, but he has built that up as a sign of his respect for the military, his purported respect for the military. Uh, so the idea that yeah. he would go to a military-themed school, and that would be a source of pride, but his son wanting to join the actual military would be a source of shame and would be something that should be punished, that's quite a, it's right. quite a disconnect. Yeah, I mean, just to be clear, my uncle, not my dad. Um, yes, um, it sorry. is, there, there is sorry. a great disconnect. That, no, no problem. Uh, th there's a real disconnect there. And then, you know, Donald's later doing everything in his power and my grandfather's doing everything in, it, in his power to make sure that Donald did not have to serve. So uh, I'm not entirely sure I know how to explain it. So the, the Atlantic article talks about Donald Trump's fears. He has a lot of different fears. One of them they mentioned is like being disfigured He's and fucking crippled, man. Um, so with fear. Yeah. So he has a lot of different fears that may be playing a role in, in this, but also just seems to like, like the article talked about not understanding 
doing something that you aren't going to get money for or that you're not going to be in a position of power after you do it. Yeah. Uh, so he seems to just not understand military service, but it also seems like he has contempt for it, really. Yeah, because it doesn't line up with his transactional view of life. That right. it's selfless service is just anathema to Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. So uh, there are other stories. There's one that you might read that uh, the Vanity Fair pulled up the, 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 the prenup of Marla Maples and Donald Trump. And in it, um, he was going to stop paying child support if she got a full-time job. If um, Tiffany Trump got a full-time yeah, job. Yeah, I'm sorry. Tiffany Trump uh, got a full-time job, military or Peace Corps, mm-hmm. if she joined either one of those. And that's, I think, tangentially related, but not certainly not an indictment to the level that we're talking about here. Yeah. So anyway, we'd love to know what you think. It is it is a remarkable moment in American history that this is our president, that that he he has said and believes these things. And so many million Americans still worship at the throne of Donald Trump. But I will say, going back to the original point here. I think this very well could be a turning point for all kinds of veterans and active duty people who really, in the back of their minds, they know what's going on with this guy, that he's a fucking grifter. But because he stands for the party and holds the banner of the Republican Party, that he's the guy they have to they have to back. So we'll see what kind of break happens soon enough. I mean, the election is is rapidly, rapidly approaching. So, what are we going to do here, Brittany? we got two things to get to. Do we end on a positive note, or do we end with the asshole of today? I think we should end on a positive note. It's the asshole of today. Adam Carolla. (laughs) Adam Carolla. And I think this may be the first time that Adam Carolla has made an appearance on this segment on the show. Yeah. For people who have listened to the show for a long time, you will know that Loveline raised me. And I mean that quite literally. I relied on Loveline and Adam Carolla and Dr. Drew for a lot of my initial life lessons and it's really what got me interested in psychology and issues of poverty and intergenerational trauma all these different things that really influenced what i turned out to be interested in and and what i now do as a job so adam carolla and dr drew though have become very different they've jumped the shark collectively and Adam has become, well, he's always been like this, I guess. He has a, an education. He went to junior college, community college, which I also did. I started at community college. And he brags, has always bragged, about how he doesn't really need to read or research things. He just, he knows things. He arrives at the correct yeah. opinions on his own. And I used to think it was funny when I was very, a kid. Very Trumpian, by the way. Yeah, very much so. I just go off my gut. Yeah, and I thought it was funny when I was a kid. Like, oh, ha ha, we're all in on the, on the joke. But it has continued to be that way. It's gotten, I think, more developed as mm-hmm. a feature of his personality. And as he continues to have an audience that values that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> that especially, feels the same way. Especially in the era of Donald Trump. Yes, exactly. So he 
kind of went viral on Twitter the other day for this tweet about COVID. He tweeted, quote, turns out the people dying from COVID are old or sick or both. How many of you pussies, pussy apostrophe S, got played? (laughs) How many of you pussies got played? Space, question mark. And who's going to get played the next time? Space, question mark. So taking this very conservative talking point and tweeting about it. Yeah. Essentially not caring if old people or sick people die of COVID. Yeah. Which is very compassionate and loving. It's very fucking on brand is what it is. Very on brand as well. But what happened was people started going into the Adam Carolla tweet archive and finding different things. And another one of his tweets went viral for how stupid it is. This is what he tweeted on August 12th. More American males now wear bracelets than eat stew. That's it? That's the whole tweet? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So he's also one of these guys. He's one of those bros that... He's now tweeting, oh, what happened to dudes? What what did dudes become? What's happened to the men these days? Wow. Yeah, he's one of those guys. Ugh. How disappointing is this? Yeah, I don't like what it does to me. I don't like the, the place it puts me in mentally because it kind of draws me back into being, you know, a fucking lower brained lizard brain clown to show I don't know. I, I just, I'm like in my mind, I immediately, and I'm, I'm selling myself here. I'm just laying it out there that in my head, I'm like, I wonder how this guy who thinks he's a big man would love to have his fucking ass beat by a guy who wears a bracelet. And mm-hmm. that's not me. Yeah. But just like, it has nothing to do with what, what is being a man. Eating stew does not make you a man, you fucking idiot. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. So it's it's disappointing. And I actually listened to Adam Carolla. He he was on the radio here when I first moved to California. And then he got booted. And that's when he started his own podcasting network from yeah. his house. And I followed him for maybe the first year I continued listening to the show. And then at a certain point, I just it wasn't it wasn't giving me what it used to. Talk about a recycling of content. It's the same stories, the same fucking jokes, the same whining about fucking left turn signals and not having a, a yield sign on a, on a red light on it. it it's just, it, no, there's no growth. There, there is no change whatsoever. He's the same fucking guy. You know, you know, the saying that if you're the same person five today as you were five years ago, then something's wrong. Mm-hmm. God damn. He hasn't changed in many decades. For sure. And he's also allied himself with figures like Dennis Prager and Ben Shapiro and Dave Rubin. So he's really joined the right. And yeah, it- there's a thing called cancel con. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're so canceled that they're getting their space at a fucking convention to speak being paid. I mean, Dave Rubin just bought like a five and a half million dollar house in 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 encino so they're so canceled that they're they're buying multi-million dollar mansions and shit shut the fuck up well i hope that is cancel con going to be virtual because is adam carolla upset about that it seems like he believes covid is a hoax based on many of his tweets seems like he would want it to be in person (laughs) have everybody come out see him Uh, see him live so asshole of today good call thank you mr carolla Professor Corolla, good times. Taking care of biz. California State Senate Assembly Member Buffy Wicks. Buffy Wicks. 
Buffy Wicks gave birth in late July, and she had requested to vote by proxy because of COVID-19 concerns. Right. And also because she has a newborn baby that is attached to her, as she says, almost continuously at this point. Yeah, as she was on the floor because she was forced to go vote. Right. So she was forced to go vote. She traveled to Sacramento from Oakland with her newborn for the final day of session because, again... Her request to vote by proxy was denied. Just And this is California. Can't we step into fucking modernity? They ha- no, I'm sorry. It's an old-fashioned way of doing things. You gotta be here, little lady. So she brought her fucking baby. She brought her baby on her shoulder. You can hear it in the clip as she's trying to uh, admonish her fellow uh, assembly members to vote for this legislation. You can hear the kid crying and rustling. Colleagues, it's good to see you all. I was actually in the middle of feeding my daughter when this bill came up. And I ran down on the floor today because I strongly believe we need to pass this bill. We are 3.5 million homes shy of where we need to be right now in this state. <laughs> and Ellie agrees that we, need to, we, need to, we absolutely need to pass this bill. And I know it's difficult for some of you. These votes are difficult for some of you. But it's very, very important. And I just come down here in strong support of this bill and urge my colleagues it's the simplest way we can have density that still adheres to, to neighborhood character. So please, please, please pass this bill. And I'm going to go finish feeding my daughter. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Wicks. So she was interviewed in the New York Times, and they basically asked, like, how how did this happen? How did this come to be? And she said, quote, well, our session ended August 31st. There were a lot of tough bills coming up, and it was clear it would be until midnight the last night. I started getting texts from colleagues asking if I would be there. I asked the speaker directly if I could vote by proxy. He was really trying to make it work, but the legal interpretation he was advised was that it would leave us open to litigation if there was a close vote. So my husband and I talked a lot about it. Do I stay home? even though I could be a deciding vote on bills about single-use plastics and housing and family leave, I felt compelled to go. So she did. But really, is this is a signal that things need to be modernized at every level of every government. Because if this is a problem in California, which holds itself up to be a model for the country, come the fuck on. Right. So hopefully she's taking care of biz as a matter of uh, a force of change here. For sure. And it's just good imagery, I think, for people to see that it is possible for you to be involved in government and have a family and be a mom, be a working mom. We need to see more of that. And I'm happy that that image exists of her holding her baby and voting. She's doing what Liz Lemon, Liz Lemon never could, trying to have it all. <laughs> <laughs> That's your show that you reference all the time, 30 Rock. Yeah, no kidding. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we love you guys. We'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. I'm sorry for screaming at you and cursing at you. We'll see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It.